Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week one in a brand new series of messages called Faith Matters. Uh, we talked about faith a little bit in the beginning of our last message series, You Are Here. And if you were here, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, if you were here for your, no, nothing really. Just, just, I got dad jokes, okay? Uh, if you were here for that, you heard us talking a little bit about how it's impossible to connect with God without faith. You need a little bit of faith just to, 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 start, to, to start the process. Now, faith often is connected to the idea of the Lord and to supernatural things. But faith is also something that we carry in our everyday life. Faith defined is simply, it's the belief in something that you have not yet seen. The belief in something you can't yet see. So certainly that would apply to God and to our relationship with God. But faith also includes other stuff. Uh, it also includes um, the people around you. You have faith in people around you. Some of you have faith, you know, in another. I don't think there's any more um, encouraging sentence in English, the English language than I believe in you. So some of you have faith in a person. You believe this person is going to conquer that hill that they're climbing. You believe that they're going to pull through and fight through that medical condition that they have. You believe they're going to, you know, achieve that financial goal or lose that weight. Or Hey, I believe in you. You're encouraging them. That's good. We believe in each other. We believe in, 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 in uh, last spring, April, I believed that the New York Yankees were going to make the playoffs. I believed it. I had faith, got disappointed. Right now, I believe that the New York Giants are gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I had faith, right? Now, just because you have faith doesn't mean it's gonna come true. Uh, there, are some, there are some thought systems and belief systems, and I've seen books on this, and I've heard people you know, seminars, hey, if you just believe it, it'll come to you. If you just put positive vibes out there, the universe will deliver you what you're thinking of. And listen, believe me, I know positive vibes are important. I know that uh, a positive attitude gets you a lot farther in life than a negative attitude. That is, I think, self-evident. But that whole, I can manifest things from the universe by power of my will, doesn't work. It doesn't work. Or let me rephrase, it only works if you're already a, a, a middle-class American. <sighs> I'm going to get emails. I love it. I hear the, I hear the silence. And when there's a, like a, a, a thick, like a, I call it a pregnant silence, like this is going to give birth to something. I'm going to get emails. Yeah, that, o that only works if you're already a middle-class American. That whole manifest your destiny to the universe. Sell that in the slums of Calcutta. Sell that to people who are starving. Sell that in a developing country. It falls apart quick because it's got you reversed. If you could do that, that would make you God. If you could manifest reality by force of, of your vibes, that would make you God. And you're not. So that stuff doesn't really work. Just because you believe something doesn't mean it's going to come true. Now, how does that operate with God? To believe in God, we need a little faith. And that might feel weird. It feels dangerous because faith always involves risk. And that, loved ones, is, is the plain truth of it. 
Risk is what's required of you. That's what God is inviting you into. So we read this verse in chapter 1 of the last message series. I'm going to lead off with it today. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So this is, this is it's part and parcel of the journey. The thing God's called you into is to believe in something you've not yet seen. You've not seen God. You've seen evidence of God. But unless I'm mistaken, most of us have not, you know, had an eyeball to eyeball. We've not, we've not seen God manifest physically. So what we're doing requires faith. Prayer requires some faith. And you believe, but it's risky because sometimes you believe something and it doesn't work out for you. Sometimes you believe something and you get crushed. This is hard. Following Jesus is hard. Faith leaves you vulnerable. If you believe something and it doesn't work, well, what could happen? I mean, it's, it's like, a, well, I mean, think of a real life example for yourself. I bet we all have one. I really believed, man. I believed that she was going to be healed and she wasn't healed and she died. I believed I was going to get through that trial and it just didn't go my way. I really believed that this thing would happen and, and you got your hopes up and you believed it and you really thought your faith would be enough to carry you through and it didn't work the way you thought it was going to. So now some of you have said, you know what? I'm tagging out. I'm not going to believe anything anymore till I see it. How many of you have heard that or said that? Yeah, I believe that when I see it. Yeah. Oh, I'm the only skeptic on Long Island? Really? Yeah, you've said that before. You've thought it. You didn't raise your hand. You were like, I'm skeptical about why he wants me to raise my hand. I don't know. <laughs> right? I'll believe it when I see it, buddy. You've said that before. You've thought that before. You've got that skeptical nature in you. I get it. I believe that when I see it. I hear you. I get it. But know this. There are some things you won't see until you believe. Some things are not seen until they're believed. For some things, and I'm talking about some really cool stuff, you don't see it until you believe. The faith is required on the front end. It's what God invites you into, and it's what he calls you to. It is, in point of fact, what he requires of you. To believe in that which you've not yet seen. But it's scary, because faith opens us up to risk. If you believe in something, but it doesn't work the way you thought it was, or it wasn't true, you can get hurt. My favorite, uh, some of my favorite books are among the Chronicles of Narnia series. You guys have heard me talk about these books before. We talked about one over the summer. Uh, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the kids, you know, uh, the, the Pevensey children. If you don't know these books, just bear with me for a minute. These kids are in a magical land called Narnia where there are talking beavers. I know, it's weird. Just stay with me, okay? And they're learning of, of, of Aslan. Now, in the Narnia books, Aslan represents Jesus, and he is a lion, like a full-grown male lion. And the kids learn of Aslan, and when they hear Aslan's name, they kind of they get a little chill, and they're, they're not quite too sure what, what's going on with him, and who's Aslan, and what's, what's up. And they, the, the beavers explain to him, well, he's a lion. And the kids are not happy to hear this. Don't really want to have a lot of interaction with a full-grown lion, so they, they ask, you know, a very... I think normal kid question, is he safe? And the response comes very quickly, no, no, 
No, he's not safe. He's a lion. Not safe. But he's good. He's good. And this is where faith begins. Not that God is safe by definition of, if I just trust in God, I'll have everything I need. If I trust in God, he'll just keep me safe. If I put my faith in Jesus, I'll never get sick again, and there'll never be a car accident, and I'll just, my whole life will be blessed just because I believe and have faith. Listen, faith is what you, faith, your salvation is a matter of what you put your faith in. Yeah, we believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that God cleanses us from our, from our, our, our past mistakes and screw-ups. And that he, he, he makes us pure as the driven snow now. We put our faith in that now. That's salvation. But gang, for the rest of our time here on earth, we have no promises that life isn't going to be difficult. In fact, we are promised that life will be difficult. He's not safe in that way. Just because you believe it doesn't mean God's going to do it. Awful quiet in here, eh? Yeah, this isn't, and it's, I'm going to tell you, I don't mind preaching it, but it's not as much fun to say as, oh, just believe in Jesus and it'll all be great. Just believe in Jesus and everything will be perfect. Believe, put your faith in God, put your faith in Jesus. And, it's, and a lot of guys on platforms with microphones have said things like that because honestly, it rolls off the tongue nice and easy and it sounds super positive and it makes a lot of people go, yeah, just positive thinking. I'll just believe positive thoughts and manifest it and God will take care of me and it'll be beautiful. Nonsense, I say. He's not safe. God is not safe. If you follow Jesus, life is going to be difficult for you. I, 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 have, a, uh, I have a passing interest in uh, photography. I like to take pictures. And uh, I'm not much for posting them. I just kind of like taking them. And I like the, the art, the craft of photography. And I don't, um, I don't indulge it as much as I... I I want to. I just find myself not having the time or the whatever. Do you have a hobby that you'd like to spend more time with? Anybody just can't find a... Uh, never mind. Uh, so <laughs> I, like, I like photography. Part of why I don't indulge it more is that I know I have already taken the best picture I'm ever going to take in my life. I've already taken the best photo I will ever take. So I don't... There's a part of me that's like, uh, it's just I'm not going to be able to do better than that. And I'm going to show you the best picture I've ever taken in my life. Take a look at this. I really did take that picture. I was on a game drive in South Africa. I'm in a, a not a Jeep, but a Jeep-esque vehicle, long canvas top, open sides. And I'm going to tell you, the telephoto on, that, on, the, on the camera wasn't that long. Those lines are no further away from me than the back of this room. And I'm, I'm on the edge, and somehow I got them both looking at my lens, and I'm like, and I put the camera down, and I mean... My heart was pounding. You know, these guys are right there. Like, they're right there. And then the driver cuts the engine. <laughs> and I'm like, keep it running. <laughs> these two things, if they wanted to be, I mean, why it takes off running. If they, if they wanted to be in the Jeep with me, it'd take them exactly three seconds. And I'm, I'm watching these two, and I'm, I'm seeing thought bubbles above their heads. Man, you know what I could really go for? Chubby white guy. Yeah. Oh, 
awesome. He's American too. I bet he tastes like freedom. I'm going to eat him. Yeah, if he wanted to eat, that'd be the end of me. He's two, two, three gallops in and a leap and, and I'm done. So it's ex- like, it's one of those things where it's like ex- exhilarating. Like people pay for like, you, you pay to put yourself in exhilarating position, uh, places and, and situations. And you're like, oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that picture is going to be so dope. But I'm also like, I would love it if he started moving that way. So. That was very, that was front and center for me when I later read another one of the Chronicles of Narnia called The Silver Chair. In The Silver Chair, there's a girl named Jill, and she's lost in the woods, lost in a forest. And it's summer, and it's very, very hot, oppressively hot. And she's truly lost. Like, she's been wandering around for hours. And as would be the case for you, her first priority is clean water. If you're lost in the wilderness, your, your first priority is actually not shelter, it's clean water. So she's wandering around and, and she's lost and she's dying of thirst and she just out of the kind of faint, the faint periphery of what she can hear, she hears a, a stream, like the sound of running water. So she follows the sound and follows the sound and comes to a beautiful stream and when she comes to the, to, to the place where she can actually see the water, she finds that there is a full-grown male lion on the other side of the stream. And it's not that big a stream. It's Aslan. And here's the way the interaction plays out in uh, the words of C.S. Lewis. Are you not thirsty? Said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I... Could, would you please go away while I drink, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well have asked an entire mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you, will you promise not to, you know, like, do anything to me? If I I do come to drink, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step nearer. Do do you eat children, she asked. I have swallowed up girls and boys, men and women, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. Then I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming a step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. Jill in the allegory comes close because she's thirsty. She comes close to this lion. She doesn't want anything to do with a lion. She doesn't want any of that danger. She doesn't want to be mauled or eaten. And she doesn't know if he's safe. In fact, this looks like a very dangerous situation. But she's thirsty. And so are you. There's a thirst inside of you. And, and there's a part of you that knows there's risk involved in faith, right? You're not sure. It's hard to, to put your faith in something you, you haven't yet seen. 
but you're tired. You're tired of living empty. You, you understand, you, you've come to, to, to know, and you, you have a strong suspicion, some of you, that actually materialism isn't the way to go. That seeking a life where you just maintain and retain all the pleasure you can is actually going to leave you empty. You've tried it, and it hasn't worked. So even though you're hesitant, without realizing it, you've taken a step closer. For some of you, that's how you ended up in this building. There's some of you here, and you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I even want this, but I just feel like I should, I should show up here. I hear that all the time. Ah, you know, so-and-so mentioned it. I, I always ask, hey, how'd you hear about us? Well, I heard about it from a friend, or I saw it on Facebook, and, you know, I saw a thing, I saw a video, and I just thought, meh. And that's how, that's how it begins. You just unknowingly take a step closer and then you take another step closer and then you take another step closer. Just like, what about Bob? Remember, remember what about Bob? Remember baby steps? If you never saw what, read the Chronicles of Narnia and watch what about Bob. That's your home. Okay. So you take baby steps. You just, you sort of, in a way, you feel called, you feel drawn, you just shuffle your feet, you shuffle your feet, you shuffle your feet, you shuffle your feet, and pretty soon, you're right here with Jesus. You're right here with the lion, and he's not safe, and your heart is beating, and you don't know what's going to happen, and your life could take a radical turn, but you know this is what you're supposed to do. That's kind of how it works. But we're hesitant because... Well, what if I'm disappointed? What if I get hurt? What if I put my faith in this bridge and the bridge collapses? What if I, I step out and trust and then it turns out he's not real? You know, as well as I do, that faith is easily manipulated, is it not? Faith is easily manipulated. Yeah, lots of guys on TV, you've seen some of these dudes, right? They're just, you can tell they're just trying to get you to send money in and, and, and it's all about what they'll give you if you, they'll send you a prayer hanky or a blessed thing or some, something. Just make a donation. And there's a part of you that's got your ears up and you got your back up and you're like, nah, I don't buy it. I don't, I, I'm skeptical. I don't think I, I, I believe in any of that. But you know, still in your heart, you know there's something else. You know that there is a God who knows your name and he's whispering to you, it isn't safe. You're a little freaked out, but you find yourself almost against your own will stepping forward. That's how it works. But at some point, at some point, it requires consciousness. At some point, it requires you to say, I'm going to believe this. I believe this now. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to step out. And for some of you, if you don't know the Lord, that's, that's, that's eternity in the making. If you've never done that, that's eternity. That's a whole shooting match. That's you going, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. It's weird, and I'm a little freaked out, but I'm going to believe that he rose from the dead, and I'm going to believe that that death was made in payment for my sins so that now I can be forgiven. Some of you are going to choose to believe that. Maybe even today, you're going to put your faith in that and step out into it. And man, if that is you, please do email me because I love to hear those stories. Others of you, you've believed for a long time, but your faith Faith is, if, you, if you've believed already, faith is like a muscle, is it not? It's like a muscle. You got to work on it. You got to push it. And, and you can never have too much of it. God always wants you to step out of faith, to trust him a little more, a little bit more. For most people, let's talk now about those of you who are believers. For most people, the last place where, where people trust God, the last area of their life where they trust God is really their finances. 
Now, this isn't a sermon about finances, but just because it's a ready illustration. For most people, it's like, you know, that's the le- kind of the last thing. I don't know if I want to give this up. This could hurt. I could get taken advantage of. I'm not sure. I don't know this, this thing about tithing. I don't know if, if God actually has his best, my best interest at heart. I don't know if the pastor has my best interest at heart. I don't know if I trust any of this. Man, I get it. This summer, I was, uh, I was with some other friends of mine who are pastors and, and staff of, our, our church is a part of an organization called Orchard Group. Orchard Group plants churches uh, in the Northeast, around the country, and actually in lots of other countries as well. And this summer, there was a gathering. All, all the pastors from a uh, uh, geographical part of the country for Orchard Group got together, and we're hanging out. We spent three or four days together. And at night, uh, among other things, we would we'd play poker. Now, if, if playing poker shatters your image of me, then you may go ahead and have your image shattered, because I like to play poker. So... And it wasn't, we're not big gamblers, believe me, but there was a $20 buy-in to keep it interesting. So we're all playing. There's probably eight of us at the table. And the guy to my right, upstream of me in the deal pattern, is, uh, he's, he's young. He's a kid. He's in his young 20s. I mean, he's not a kid. He's an adult. But, like, I have children my own age that are, the children of my own that are that age. So, so I, I see him, you know, like a kid. And uh, he's next to me. He's not a pastor. He works for Orchard Group on their staff. And... Uh, we get dealt our cards, and I get pocket jacks. Now, I'm going to speak. If you don't speak poker, just go with me for a minute. I get pocket jacks in the hole. So I'm like, that's pretty good. So that goes around, and, you know, everyone's in. And the flop comes out, jack, jack, 10. So I've got four in the kind on the flop. Almost unbeatable. So that comes around, and the guy just to my right, this kid, bets heavy. He pushes, like, not all in, but makes a nice, you know, Bold bet. So I'm like, what does he got? He's got pocket tens. I bet he flopped a full house. So I'm like, I got him. I didn't raise. I don't want to scare everybody off. I called the bet. A lot of other people called. A couple guys folded. Comes back around. Next card comes out. It's like a two of something. It doesn't do anybody any good. And he bet. He doesn't go all in, but it makes another nice bet. I match him. And at this point, I'm like... I'm going to kill this kid. Like, he's, he's, he's going to be crushed. And I leaned over to him. I, and it's sort of a poker no-no. But I leaned over to him and I said, dude, walk away. I just, dude, just walk away. And he looks at me like, what? I'm like, from this hand, walk away. And now he's, he's looking at me like, what is he doing? This guy's almost twice my age. Is he trying to get in my head? Is he trying to manipulate me? Is this bluffing? Because bluffing is a part of the game, but usually it's not done like this. Like, how, what is he, what's he trying to, and, and I'm like, dude, I want you to stay in the game. I don't want, like, the game's just getting started. I want you to sit at the table for a while. Like, don't, just trust me. Walk away. River card comes out, doesn't help anybody, and it comes back to him, and I said, say the word check. And he looks at me, and he's like, Check. And we flipped our cards down, and he and everybody was like, "Oh!" And 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 then he went on to win the game, little jerk. So like, <laughs> but in that moment, my illustration point was: in that moment, he's looking at his cards. He doesn't know my cards, and he wants to know what all is going on. 
and, and he doesn't know if I have his best interest at heart. I don't know his cards, but I know my cards, and I know what he doesn't have. He doesn't have a straight flush, which is the only thing that's going to beat my hand. So I know I've got him beat like I know it. And I, so I know what he's holding, and I know what I'm holding, and I'm trying to advise him. And that's kind of where it is with you and God sometimes. God calls you, and he nudges you. And he says, I'm calling you to tithe. I'm calling you to do this financially. And you're like, I don't know. Do you have my best interest at heart? Are you just trying to get over on me? Are you just trying to manipulate me? Am I going to regret this? You will never regret stepping out in faith. It doesn't mean that stepping out in faith is going to get you what you want. It means you're going to live your life knowing that there is a God in heaven who loves you and has your best interest in heart even when things are painful. You'll live your days knowing that there is a God in heaven who knows your name, loves you dearly, and has your best interest at heart. So that when he calls you to do something, whatever it may be, you don't have to hesitate, keep checking your cards a million times, and wonder if God's actually rooting for you or if he's trying to manipulate you. God is not trying to manipulate you. He's trying to invite you into something. And for you to take that invitation and step out, it's going to require faith. And we will pick it up right from here for part two next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you so much. And we thank you for the chance to step out. Even though this is difficult, even though it's hard and we're nervous and we're a little shaky and we're not convinced maybe that you're you're altogether safe. Father, this requires things of us that muscles we're not used to exercising. And so I pray for those in the room and listening who don't yet know you, who are at the edge of the stream, subconsciously taking closer steps to you, but rattled and unsure of whether they can trust you. Father, I pray that today will be the day your Holy Spirit pulls them over and creates faith within them to believe in you, to put their faith in you for the forgiveness of their sins. I pray that'll be true for everybody in this room and everybody watching and hearing. And Father, for those of us who have known you for a long time, and are still a little unsure about whether we can trust you to step out in faith with our our jobs, our finances, our relationships, with whatever it may be. Convince us, Father, and grant us courage enough to have faith to believe that you really do love us and really do have our best interests in heart. May that be true for me. May that be true for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.